The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show where we are now in the PS5 era. We are talking about PS5 games. The console is out. The amazing launch lineup is out there. And we in particular are going to be diving deep into one specific game, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is one of my favorite launch PS5 games and easily one of my favorite PS4 games because it's also available there. Uh, Before we go any further... Full spoilers are in effect, so if you haven't finished the main campaign in particular, but we're going to dive into side stuff as well, if you haven't played through all of Spider-Man that you want to before listening to this, pause the show, go play, we'll be here for you when you're done, it is well worth your time, I, as if you haven't read my review on IGN, I gave it a 9, I called it amazing, I loved it, so please go check it out and play it, but we're going to dive really deep into the game today, I'm really excited, uh, today I'm joined by Lucy O'Brien, hey Lucy. Hello, Jono. And also joining us today is Brian Horton, the creative director for Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales from Insomniac Games. Brian, thank you so much for joining joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. We're, we're really excited to have you. Uh, as I said, going to jump fully into spoilers for this, but I just want, of course, wanted to say congratulations to you and the team uh, launching this game on two systems coinciding with the PS5 launch in the middle of what this year has been. I can only... I can't even imagine the undertaking that that is. And it it is such a wonderful, joyous game to have right now in particular. So thank you first off to you and the team and congrats on this amazing launch. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, the Insomniac family worked very hard. We put a lot of love into this game and it was a challenging year, but we also do believe this is a game that I think was we needed for 2020. Yeah, we've been saying over and over that this game, I mean, for all its, you know, emotion, uh, sort of emotional, uh, there's a lot of drama there, but it's also just such a joyful game. And it's just such a lovely game to have at the end of this really difficult year. It, it, sort of, it felt like I needed it. <laughs> I, you know, I know that sounds stupid, but like as I was playing through and people were wishing Miles, you know, happy holidays on the snowy streets of New York City, I was just like, this is what I want, <laughs> what I've needed. This year has been so crap. And it, it was a perfect cap to the end of this year, you know. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I think we all just want to walk through the streets of New York right now, don't we? I mean, just the idea of being in that in the season, em, embracing the, the, the holidays. Uh, that's what was so cool about it is we were able to think about 
what is the best thing we could do for Miles Morales and juxtapose these, this amazing holiday season with a real drama that he has to solve as his first, first big adventure as a Spider-Man. Yeah, it works so well. And especially as someone who lived in New York for a while, I always talk about like Christmas time in New York as sort of the idealized version of New York. And I think a lot of the way people who don't live in New York probably think about it as like the New York they've seen in movies or when they light the Christmas tree at 30 Rock and all of that. And so to have this very, very nostalgic feeling of New York, I think Lucy has said this on a past show, but she was even feeling nostalgia for it. And she never lived in New York. I'm from New, Ze- I'm from New Zealand. I'm so far divorced from New York, but I, you know, it, I've seen enough films uh, and consumed enough pop culture that it, it does have that nostalgic pull for me. And, and you, you all did such a magnificent job at recreating that. One of my favorite things to do in Miles Morales was just looking through the windows into people's Christmas displays. I just loved that so much. You know, it's just such a beautiful little touch. Uh, and, and, you know, seeing the candy canes on the fridge, just little things like that. And I, I, I adored it. And again, felt nostalgic. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it, it, the attention to detail that the Insomniac team brings to our games is one where we do the research, but um, it's a lot of it's just driven by the individuals and trying to add things that that they feel had personality in life uh, and, and a sense of um, culture, especially with Harlem, it was essential for us that we got uh, East Harlem correct in its ethnicity and uh, its diversity. That was the heart and soul of Miles Morales. Yeah, it, it, it comes across in, I think, such a natural way throughout the experience um, as the game keeps bringing you back to East Harlem and you, you keep getting to see more facets of Miles's life and whether it's Roxxon moving in on the territory or his apartment building or the nearby bodega or the other shops and the, the people you get to know it it feels almost effortless in the way that the the game is able and I, I understand there's so much effort that went into it but it, that's sort of um, how highly I think of it is that it just so naturally comes across that this is how this part of the city is and the, this is what matters to it and and that that sense of importance of protecting the neighborhood and protecting the spirit of the people who live there just really comes across so well in the story. Um, I, I oh, thank you so much. I, I do want to sort of jump in, I think on a, a larger note too, because I, I definitely want to talk about um, the, the focus on Harlem and Miles's life there and everything. But I, I did want to sort of start from a broader point and just sort of generally ask uh, on the the note of this being, you know, Miles is really first starring video game adventure um, and being a new take on this character who has had a relatively shorter lifespan than Peter Parker has, but has already had, I think, such a, a very well-known and recognized um, history. What did Insomniac want to bring fresh to the character and this interpretation of Miles, but also make sure that you were staying true to the the origins of the character from the comics and what people know? Yeah, we we always start with the source. So our friends at Marvel Games, we 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 got together and had a conversation about the original comics from Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli as the the Rosetta Stone that we start with, the essence of the character. And we knew that Miles is different than Peter Parker, but he has some similarities. Uh, the thing that's really different, though, is the attention to friends and culture uh, and family. Uh, we story come forward for us and that was that was the place we started and you know miles is is from brooklyn and 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 we didn't want to make that a small thing so we decided to put the drama around 
what if Miles had to move from Brooklyn to Harlem where his mother that could be sort of the center point of his personal drama as he's trying to learn this new neighborhood. The player is going to get to understand this new neighborhood. And uh, from a mechanics perspective, we knew as a hero, Miles Morales is going to express those those unique abilities that he has, which is bioelectricity and invisibility. So creating an explosive new Spider-Man was a big part, was one of our big pillars and a mandate. And the... The thing that I think we spent the most amount of time was not only his powers, but what was the right villain that was going to partner or, or sort of be the, the resistance and the pressure that Miles would have to deal with. And that's when we came to the idea of reinventing the Tinkerer and, and placing this two-sided war between the Tinkerer, the Underground, and Roxxon. Uh, so those were the ingredients that sort of were the beginnings of our conversations, and then we built the, the narrative around. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether or not you know, who came first? Was it the, the reinvented tinkerer or was it Miles's childhood friend? And I was, you know, I was curious if there was an, ever a point where Finn was not the tinkerer and maybe had some other kind of dramatic arc or play in his, in his life. But it sounds like she was going to be the tinkerer from the very beginning. Yeah, we, we had this wonderful license with Marvel do look at the tinkerer who's one of the oldest villains in spider-man canon like within the first year of comics and say well this is an underserved villain we haven't seen the tinkerer much in in popular culture media so what if we reinvent the tinkerer for a modern day and with all great spider-man stories we want the worlds to collide and that's the personal making the tinkerer finn mason miles child childhood friend was sort of the beginning of what we felt was going to be the drama of that story and how does a young hero reconcile his feelings for someone who's doing things that aren't so great for the city and actually potentially endangering his home uh so that that was the genesis of this human story that the world's colliding uh and getting marvel on board with making finn mason a, a, a young woman and friend with miles it was i I'd like to say there was a big drama or fight about it, but they were so excited about this direction and, uh, and, and we built from there. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful turn. And I think what the story does so well with Finn and the Tinker is that both sides of that character do get to have, uh, importance to the story. It is not just about her taking this dark, dramatic turn into villainy. It, it is really about Miles's relationship with Finn and Spider-Man's relationship with the Tinker and how those two come together, as you were saying. And I, I think that was so unexpected for me. And so, so lovely as, uh, Lucy was saying to have that, the marriage of those two in the story. And I, I was curious about sort of the overall thought process when it goes into the the villains of a Spider-Man story, because obviously there's a, a huge rogues gallery from the early days of, you know, Peter Parker's life as Spider-Man. There are key figures for Miles, uh, obviously with the Prowler, and I think the really, really, really great implementation of Aaron Davis here. I was sort of curious about where the, the team's head was when it came to sort of the scope of how many villains you wanted to be part of the story, how important it was to make sure they tied back to Miles's personal life uh, sort of how did that discussion go about? Well, because we knew the theme was going to be family and home, Aaron Davis had, you know, going back to the original comics, the Prowler was the main tension for, for Miles Morales that he has to deal with. We wanted to change the um, characterization of the Prowler, and we felt that creating 
an Aaron Davis that is reflecting the moments of this particular story. So if I rewind a little bit, let's talk about where Miles Morales started. So in the first game, we see this young kid who in- endures this terrible tragedy, the death of his father. It's a modern- Peter Parker works at Feast, has to deal with the rhino, and ultimately gets bitten by this spider. But that event of um, Miles' father dying, we said, well, what would Aaron Davis do at that point if he was this criminal? What if he turned a new leaf? What if he wanted to go straight? What if he wanted to get back into the family? Because he of of never seeing his his brother's son again. That was really interesting and something very different from any incarnation we've seen of Aaron Davis. And so then the idea of him going on this redemption journey and then having to be brought back into the fold to become the prowler and actually giving Miles about how to move forward and that we thought there was some wonderful push and pull there. And with all the best intentions of him trying to save Miles, he was actually doing the opposite. So we get to see Miles teach his uncle something, and he has this wonderful redemption arc at the end. And I think that's the the thing about drama is you want to create these situations where you, you feel that people are, have the best intentions, but they don't always make the right decisions. And Miles definitely goes through a lot of those making not the best decisions, but you know, at the <laughs> end of the day, you know, he he earns, and that's the journey we wanted ultimately to get to. Hey everybody, Zach Ryan here to talk to you about IGN's new weekly show, The Review Crew. Each week we're gathering folks from all over the gaming community to talk about the biggest and best games. We'll dive deep into each review. It's friggin' awesome about that. All these months just running away from you in every direction. It is Yeah. Talk about the things that we loved, the stuff that needs improvement, and probably have some spirited debates and laughs along the way. Yes! No! Yes! We're kicking things off with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but in the coming weeks, we're talking about Demon Souls, Xbox Series X, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, PlayStation 5, and Cyberpunk 2077. You can tune in Mondays on IGN.com or listen to the full audio version later in the week on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Hell, you can do both. I'm not your boss. Let us know what games you want to hear about, but more importantly, let us know who you'd like to see on the show. Until then, you're already in the right place with IGN. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the most uh, glorious juxtapositions in Miles Morales is is the light and shade in the in the so called villains, you know, because I think besides uh, you know the ultimate big baddie, uh, uh, Finn and 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 Miles' uncle have you know they've got a lot of there's a lot of pain there, and it's 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 interesting seeing the juxtaposition with a character like Rhino. Who's just an old school, like almost like 80s style, you know, cartoon character with someone yeah. like Finn who is who is so kind of broken inside. And I, I, I felt like the portrayal of Finn in particular, just really, uh, you know, with the great, fantastic performance as well, just uh, really was 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 quite heartbreaking. And I, I found it really satisfying in a, in a I love the first Spider-Man, but I found it almost this one more kind of relatable because it was just more, it was a, it's a sort of more of a human level story. Um, yeah, we, yeah. We wanted to bring that down to the friendly neighborhood level. And, and I think because it is so family centric mm. too, 
we can all we can all imagine being around the holiday table, right? Having having a meal, and we also play with the idea: what does a family dinner look like nowadays? It it could be a mix of friends and family. It, you know, it really is a different time when you see these people who are important to your lives. Even though Finn and Miles were friends, um, they all, they both share this this pain. They both went through trauma and how you see Miles deal with that trauma and had come out one side and how she dealt with that trauma and went another way. Um, it, we, we think that and Finn and Miles sort of have dealt with their trauma in different ways. And the, the that in a way became another theme that we could sort of play with and um, sort of unify these characters and put them in the, in the same circle. Yeah, I, absolutely. The you know you bring that up made me think immediately the 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 Christmas dinner scene that they all have together early in the story just immediately popped into my head as such a a lovely moment when I was playing and now thinking about it even more in context. It is that it's Miles and his mother and Finn and Genki and sort of the the specter of what the family has gone through, but also the things we don't yet know about what Finn has gone through. There's this um, wonderful combination of all of those things at work in the story that then just get laid out more and more as we progress. Um, yeah. And we, we tried to make sure that that scene, we needed some brightness in our story because there was going to be some dark turns. We wanted to have those moments where these, the family comes together um, and we see what, what is lost, right? We can, it, we, in a way we're, we're, we're seeing these people, you want them to, to be a family. You want them to return to that moment. Uh, and you can see how much, these two people, Finn and Miles, their relationship is deep, but yet there's been a break. There's been a, a there's been a disconnect, and um, they're trying to re- reconcile that disconnect throughout the story. And um, Mary Kenny, one of our writers, has wrote some beautiful scenes, and one of my favorite scenes is the scene at the church, where mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out how express each other's side of the equation. Both made, she made a promise to her brother and he made a promise to Peter to protect the city and that they're both at odds, but they both want the same thing. And I just love that heartbreaking kind of raw emotion that they were able to share. And then they talk about why they're at the church and how they share this memory of seeing these, this choir. And you realize, Oh, they're so good friends and you want them to work it out. And that's the kind of stuff that I think um, elevates stories from being, plot driven to being character driven that's what we try to do at insomniac especially within the spider-man series yeah it was um i totally felt that of just wanting them to be able to work things out and as the the finale goes it is it is just so crushing but in a in a somewhat hopeful way like in the you know finn coming to terms with what's transpired and and being willing to make that sacrifice at the end um it's it is this beautiful full, full circle moment where as you said it is about the characters and less so what a superhero plot may be. It is about this, this version of miles and the story that you've crafted. Um, and just speaking a little bit to what you're saying about why they were having this conversation at the church, for example, I, I love the way this game really layers in miles's history, because of course we saw, you know, foundational moments of his life in Marvel Spider-Man, the first game, but there is so much more to him and his relationship with Finn. And that gets layered in not just the story, but the collectibles and, the uh the bits of audio you get after um aaron davis sends you on those missions to collect the audio files i i really loved how layered everything was and i was curious was that sort of a 
top-down thought or did that just sort of progress naturally from you know the team building everything that everything really did come back to miles's life and the the people around him and his family the one thing that's fantastic about working not the one thing (laughs) one of the most exciting things about working with insomniac games is we believe our mantra is great ideas come from anywhere so I can set up a vision and a vector, right? Like we're going here. It's about home. It's about family. It's about the idea of Miles' journey from becoming, you know, becoming uh, the coming of age story. Once you have those sort of pillars in place, the team starts to pull threads and and connect, make connections that there's no way I or any any of us would have thought of it ahead of time. So when when I I can tell you about the collectibles, we knew we wanted to do these time capsules. But to see all the little personal stories of how Finn and Miles worked together and, and, the, and that the fact that they did this little activity of going around the city, urban exploring and, and hiding these time capsules, it just deepened your understanding of who these characters are. They're completely optional. But if you do collect them and you do listen to those stories, it just endears you more to them and makes you root for them even more. So listening and listening to the writers come up with all these little narratives that, that tied their relationship together, it was just so exciting to see. And the other thing that was really exciting is the emergence of um, Aaron Davis and how the activities with him and the beats were a story about how him and his father broke, you know, went separate ways and the tragedy of of that story. So those are the things where you can, when you can mix mechanics and, you know, like something like, Hey, miles makes beats. So they have that in common with his father and with his uncle. But then you tell that those human stories in between that synergy is what gets me really excited to work on games like these is you're, you're seeing the team come together and and make something more, the parts make something more and, and they, they create this wonderful, um, synergy between you know the, the gameplay mechanic and and the story context i'm i'm really curious because in so many ways and again i loved the original marvel spider-man but in so many ways uh, miles feels like a, ref, a, a you know there are many parts of the spider-man game series this particular series it feels very refined from the first game and what's interesting is you know we've seen some chatter and some concern that it's not a full game because of course people it's like oh it's you know it's half a game or it's just a, a dlc it's just an expansion and and of course it's 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 really not it is a full game it's just not however you know 20 hours long or what have you but it tells a very full story and also uh there's plenty to do within this world um and so i guess you know to, just to, to sort of ease folks minds i mean did you ever feel restricted or you know kind of like your your hands were a little tied because you were working on a game that wasn't a full length triple a game i'll say the opposite in a way it was um it was liberating to be so focused uh i'm a big believer in 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 a way of when with a story like this we were able to crystallize the essence of everything like we were able to boil it all down and ensure that every single second we had was pointing to these core tenets of, of the game, the relationships of these characters and the journey that Miles was going on. So for instance, as much as I love the variety of gameplay of Marvel Spider-Man and, and seeing different perspectives, we made a conscious decision very early on to always be in Miles' shoes. But we wanted to, to have pacing breaks between human Miles Morales, like the, the in the apartment scene, 
with the the superhero moments, the most spectacle-driven moments. So we wanted to create the same pacing of Marvel Spider-Man with those up and down moments, but just within one character. That was liberating. It allowed us to focus. Um, Another thing I'd say is the cast of characters is smaller. But once again, it allows us to each of those characters and really develop them and weave them more tightly in the narrative. So I can't say that, I'm not saying this is better. I'm just saying for us, it allowed us more opportunity to be, um, to take the, the themes that we had and, and to try to, to delve into them as deeply as we could. And the opportunities we did tell a side story would be something like in the quest structure with Fisk and dealing with his threat against the city. But once again, it tied back to home. So all of these things feel like they interrelate and, and, and have um, a meaning, meaningful impact on Miles' journey to become a hero. So that, that, that's why I, I look at this smaller scale product. I hope it's something that people enjoy and gives them some, a new kind of thing to look at. And I don't think people are yet ready. Maybe the people that have critiques, they, they didn't, weren't ready to understand what that could do for you. But now that I'm seeing players actually play it, they're really enjoying what it has to offer. Yeah, so. we were we were frustrated, uh, you know, because we we play we were fortunate enough to be able to play it a little early before it got it, it hit uh, stores, and um, you know, it, it's it's frustrating trying to explain to someone like, no, 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 this is a this is this feels like a top level AAA polished game with everything that you would want from that experience. It's just that we're so used to you know, for so many years, we've been used to a certain length for these things. And and I, I almost find, I feel like, like Miles and, and, you know, other, uh, like Lost Legacy, for example, Uncharted, you know, we, my favorite we almost, games. right. It's, we great. Almost, yeah. it's so good, but we almost need a different kind of vocabulary around these, these <laughs> games. Cause it's, it, you know, we're always trying to fit them into sort of, oh, it's 1.5 or it's an expansion or it's not a full game or it's 0.5. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's not, we haven't quite figured out the wording of these of these yet, and I want to see more of these because this is the kind of single player uh, experience in terms of length, in terms of variety of gameplay. This is what I want. This is what a lot of people want. Well, let me put it another way. You know, we look at Miles Morales as an essential um, part of the of the Spider Man mythology that we're crafting, and each piece doesn't have to be exactly the same size, but they're both essential. So it's just, it's ensuring that it's, it's building on the tapestry we made on the first game, giving miles his moment to shine and and to tell his, his, we're calling it the year two story because he's had a year <laughs> to be a Spider-Man. Um, but really uh, we, we think, we think at the, at the point we're at now, this just tees miles up to be his own hero. And, and we just couldn't be happier with the way we, with the opportunity we had to make a game like this. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. As, as Lucy was saying, it's one of those things where we see this chatter a lot as we, you know, write our stories. And it is, it, it was so fulfilling to have played through this experience and be like, this nails the character of Miles and it it, it uses its length and it uses its size well to tell a, a really fantastic story that, as you were saying, feels essential. I, th- I think some of the you know, length comparison things, that doesn't really matter because for me, if I were to jump into whatever may come next, not having experienced this, I would lose out on so much of what makes Miles Miles. And I I love what this game is able to do. And especially as you were saying, sort of letting the team focus in and really, really uh, double down on the themes and motifs that you wanted to express with this game. 100%. 
And um, I, on that note, sort of, I, I think one of my favorite things, and I don't necessarily even have a question about it. I just, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention it was, um, you know, uh, the side missions, as you were mentioning, the the Fisk storyline that goes on with that wonderful cameo uh, toward the end of it. But the the relationship that it brings up with Haley and Spider-Man that you get only the briefest moments of maybe in parts of the main story, but that it helps enrich it even further. And it was one of those things where that, quest line ended and i was like no i need to know what happens next i need to see more of this it, it was one of those things where i i actually really love that this game's length and size and scope is what it is because it lets you experience all these things and all of them feel so important uh and i hope that that lets the players be able to jump into every facet of it um i i, I guess on that note as a question not to just boast about how much i like the game i did want to just ask like was there any sort of consideration of what was a side mission versus what was main story versus a collectible like was there buckets that the story the teams especially the writing teams maybe considered story elements to go into or did that just sort of come you know as, as these parts of the games were figured out all around now, the one thing i will say too because we learned a lot from the first spider-man game amount of planning and pre-planning golden path missions were going to be versus some of our quest content and collectibles we had a really fantastic template i mean i I say this often the miles team which is made up of a lot of spider-man developers stood on the marvel so much to be able to work with as a foundation so we were able to understand roughly how many missions we wanted for the golden path what that those missions were going to be fairly early in pre-production and when it came to the quest we knew we wanted we just called them friendly neighborhood. We wanted a story where we got to meet the people of Harlem. But then the writer, our writers and our designers came came there and added so much more to it. So let me just give you some examples. We had a card up on the board. It just said, save the cat. We knew it was going to be a quest. We knew it was going to be something small. But what does save mean? It doesn't mean a whole lot until you have um, a writer like Ben Arfman, our lead writer, who says, well, the cat's name is Spider-Man the cat, and he is a bodega cat. And, you know, Evan Narciss was like, you got to have a bodega cat. So we got Evan Narciss saying bodega cat and, you know, Ben Arfman <laughs> saying Spider-Man the cat. And it's like, well, what if that cat was stolen? Okay, what if the cat's stolen? Well, he needs to, you need to bring him back. Well, he's got to have a backpack. So then when, when you get a, a cat in a backpack and you're like, well, gosh, we have a cat in a backpack. This has to be a suit. So the characters guys go, can we make a suit about the Spider-Man, the cat? And I'm like, of course you can. <laughs> and then an animator says, well, you know what? I did this thing where, you know, Bula says, I did that and the finisher. Can, I, can we do that? I'm like, you better do that, right? Th- those are the things that sort of unfold organically that um, you could never plan for. So I'll say the things we're able to plan for gave us a production scope of we wanted the game, but all these wonderful rules and characters like Haley, for instance, were, a, were passion projects. We said, what if we had a muralist in the game? And then we said, well, what if this muralist had was deaf? What, what, what if, what if, right? Hey, can we do ASL? We really think this is going to be a cool aspect. And them working with our partners at Sony saying, we're going to come up with new technology at the mocap studio so we can bring ASL actors into the booth and make sure we capture this authentically and correctly. Those are all things that organically happen that the team, because of their passion for, for deepening and, and making these characters more rich and more believable. So the fact that you want to see Haley in the future warms our heart because 
there's so much love in a character like Haley um, and the other characters that want them to have lives beyond this game. We want people to go, I better see what happens to Spider-Man, the cat and Haley, you know, in, in future endeavors. I mean, we, you know, we, the, the cast was so strong across the board, the cast of characters. I was very invested in the fate of every single one of them, which is uh, very much testament to the writing. Uh, I, I do have to ask, was there ever a plan to uh, have a, a less heartbreaking? I mean, as, as Dorno said, it was a heartbreaking ending that was hopeful, but nonetheless heartbreaking. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious as to what alternates were planned if there were any. We, we've had, we had conversations about that ending, earning our ending something to talk about like we know kind of where we want to go that destination um and we knew we wanted a conflict between these two friends um that was probably the hardest thing to do right is weaving that moment where you go okay i believe what she wants to do i don't uh, I, I understand not the right thing to do and i have to stop it um and what we wanted for for our characters like aaron and and for Finn were redemptions that we felt in a way. Aaron Davis has his own sacrifice. He comes in, he says, I'm going to put my, I'll, I'll give up this information. I know that puts me in jail. So he goes back, you know, he, he is captured for the first time as a criminal, but he does so as an act of sacrifice. And we just wanted to make sure it felt earned. So by having her brother, um, Rick and, and bringing that moment to life. So she sees her brother die. She understand, we understand her pain from that moment. And then to recall that and understand she can't let that happen again, made that moment even more resonant and something we, we felt, I, we hope you feel feels earned and you can feel her redemption for that. She, she can't let her best friend die. Right. And, and, I, I'm a softy, but I cry at that. And I play, I play that game. 250 times. I must have ca- cried at least 50 or 60 times at that <laughs> ending because I cared about these characters and I didn't, I didn't want to see that ending, but we knew that that ending was the ending that it needed to be. So I hope that answers your it, question. It very much does. And it was absolutely earned. Yeah. It, uh, Thank you. <laughs> the, the, the way it reaches that peak. And I think that the balance, um, as you were saying of wanting, both these characters that have their arcs and for Miles's arc to to bring him forward in this world and to to make sure that each of those the supporting characters in this cast feels supported within the story structure, I, I think comes across so well. And, and I, I did sort of want to talk. I, I think obviously, you know, the story is the story and I'm not saying tell me what happens next, but I am curious about um, the the cast that you introduce here. Um, when it comes to the larger universe, I did love that there were other characters pulled in from the first game, not just Peter, but nods to other villains and everything. How, how much of a mm-hmm. thought is given, I think, to what comes after the story as well as what's come before? Uh, what's sort of the balance of that between also focusing on this story on its own? Well, sure. I'll take a few steps back and just talk about conversations that Brian Intar and I had before we even started this game. That we understood that this was going to be where he was passing a torch in a way to 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 us to take the characters that they breathe life into in the first game, Miles Morales, and then say, "Okay, you're going to go do a thing and, and and take it from there." It's that sort of multiplicative 
creativity that makes you go, oh, this is a tapestry. And you know, once again, I'll, I'll bring it back to Insomniac. That's sort of what Insomniac's all about is we want to, to let people's ideas infuse and create this really beautiful tapestry. But there is sort of a a conversation that we have around directions that things can go to know we're not going to steer someone into a bad spot. So the, the, the idea of us having these conversations and knowing sort of how one thing can set up another is part of our planning. And, um, and I'm just so excited for you guys to see sort of how things are going to be going in the future. I'll be super vague about it just to say that we have, um, we see this world as a living as a living, breathing universe that has many, many more stories. Well, I mean, you know, there's that mid-credits tease. We, we, we must, of course, I know that you probably can't say much about that, but, uh, you know, are, are we going to, are we going to, we're going to be seeing Venom at all, maybe soon? I think Venom's a very cool character. <laughs> I appreciate that answer. That is, that is well done. Um, yeah, I, I will bounce off of Lucy just to say, yeah, we, we completely understand what will come. We're, we're looking forward to But yeah, I, I appreciate the way I think that the story does tease and set up what the future could hold without letting that be the purpose of its story or letting the letting there be any sort of feeling of like we're just building these things in order to give you a surprise later. Like there there is such a, a rounded Miles story on Miles's first solo Spider-Man adventure that really comes across in this game that is, as we've said, so important to the rest of this universe. I think any fan who thinks I'll wait for the next game, like that is totally the wrong way to go about it. Like this is so vital to, I think, the the universe you're building. Thank you. I mean, that was our focus. How do we how do we do Miles justice? And um and 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 we're just we're happy that our friends at Marvel gave us the opportunity to expand who Miles is. And hopefully for some people, this will be one of their first experiences with this character as a hero. And they'll always look back at this as like that Christmas favorite. They might pop into their, into their disc and go, Oh, it's Christmas time again. It's, it's holiday time. I'm going to play, I'm going to play that Miles Morales story. Like we, we really, we hope it, it, it holds a special place in people's hearts as this, um, beautiful little love letter to a character that we all love very, very much. Absolutely. And, and, and to sort of, you know, circle, well, to, to, to rewind a little bit, uh, talk to us about the biggest, you know, Dorno, when, when we opened this podcast, Dorno mentioned that congratulations on delivering a launch game on new hardware in the middle of a pandemic where we're all working from home and the chaos that is 2020. Um, how hard did you have to pivot when all of a sudden, you know, you were had to sort of work from home and, and everything was, was kind of chaotic. And again, you had to hit a launch date. That's just such an enormous, unfathomable amount of pressure to me. And I, I, you know, I'm really curious as to how difficult that was for you and what was sort of the main uh, hurdles that you overcame. Well, once again, I'll just say it's a testament to the spirit of Insomniac Games. We had one day we're saying, "Hey, what do you guys think about being able to work from home?" And three days later, everyone in the studio is working from home, and that's our our IT department being 
a Herculean task to ensure that the whole studio is up and running and able to chop much of a lot. Tech work. If I had told you we had roughly a three-day loss, if if even that, some people were up and going in the next day. It's that's the kind of um, dedication that the team had to ensure that we were going to stay on track. So. Um, we persevered through a very challenging time. We had story cinematics that weren't finished yet. <laughs> we had to figure out how do you how do we maintain the same quality that we achieved on some cinematics and not others with a different way to to perform those cinematics. So we had mocap actors in their in their house equipment setting and recording dialogue. I mean it was it was bonkers to to really think about it. And I'm sure there's a GDC talk in here somewhere about accomplishing <laughs> this in, in the year 2020 with the pandemic. But I will say that um, it was not an easy task, but uh, that that's just another reason. So many of us insomniac games, because we found a way to make it work. And then to the PlayStation five. Yeah. that This is a, a new piece of hardware. We had to understand how to, how to maximize that. So finishing the game would have been hard enough, but then to do it also on a new piece of hardware Thank goodness the PlayStation 5 is such a powerful system with all these amazing features that made our lives that much easier. So once again, whether it's a synergy or, you know, the alignment of stars, it all came together and we couldn't be happier with the way it turned out. I mean, this is what we've heard over and over again before, you know, before the console came out was that the PS5 hardware actually afforded some kind of, it was, it, it, was easier to program on than uh, perhaps PlayStation's past, which potentially made your job a little bit easier, even though it was new hardware. It was infinitely easier. And the idea of the arc, the way, the way, because we're part of Sony first party now, like if it's hard to imagine, but we also are most are recently first party Sony, right? So, but they, they looked at Spider-Man as the opportunity PlayStation 5. So they actually were instrumental in ensuring that our game was set up to maximize the PlayStation 5. So you saw that streaming demo that came out first. So that that's the sort of love and attention that SIE and the whole organization brought to bear to ensure that we were successful. It is a group effort. It is SIE. It is, it is all of us working with one common goal. And um, yeah, it was it was kind of a magical thing. And it's it's particularly magical, as you say to me, because especially we, the public side, had no idea about this game until the June reveal. Um, that was, I, I think, for me, you know, we obviously we all loved the original Marvel Spider-Man. We're like, well, it, it sold pretty well. They'll probably make another one or two of these, I would assume. <laughs> but to then just have this sudden surprise, and then to know it's coming with the PS5 and this well kept secret, I think I, I'm just so curious of the you know, the behind the scenes thoughts of, I, I think, jumping from, you know, working in the office to having to deal with the pandemic to keeping the secret to having the reveal within this year um, was sort of the the secrecy around it magnified by the changes in the workflow? Or was that um, made easier because, you know, people weren't going to the office every day? People weren't sitting on a train with their uh, laptop open. <laughs> That has been known to happen. Um, yeah, I think the fact that we kept it secret was was also we were so happy that 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 occurred. Um, there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of talk about work, and 
we were really tickled to see people thinking, oh, we hear there's a new spider. You know, so there were there was like misconceptions on what it was. So when it, when we came out on that on that day, I think the impact of that trailer, our first uh, reveal, was that much more because people didn't know it was coming. So um, watch probably you've seen some of them. But if you watch a number of them like we did after the reveal trailer, watching people's faces as they were trying to process what they were watching as, as the electricity is going across the arm and you reveal Miles' face and you see him explode into the city, that euphoria of the unknown into known is like that. So often information is so fluid and people pick up on rumors and then you, can, you can't protect that delight. So the fact that we were able to protect that delight, um, and then, and try and have, because we had a, to, um, make sure every asset was meaningful leading up to launch that was building on what this game is. So, uh, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed working with, um, with, with Sony and our internal brand, the assets that were, we're going to make this impact. And in fact, the idea for that first reveal trailer came from Ryan Schneider, our, the, you know, our brand manager at Insomniac Games. And that's, I don't know how you guys felt, but did you guys have that coming to the end of the game and you knew, oh, it's that moment from the trailer? Or what? when did that dawn on you guys? I, I'm just interested to know. Um, I, I think I can jump in. I It was one of those things where I, I always love thinking about what I've seen in a trailer versus what's going to be in the game. And it had been so long. And I was like, wait a second, where where is that? And then I th- I think it was really up until the point where um, Miles sort of comes crashing back down to Earth um, with the fight and has to walk toward the reactor. I think that's when it started to tick in my brain. Like it, it happened, I think, pretty late. But it was one of those, oh, this is probably it. And it made me want to, it, it was like, can't he walk a little faster? I want to get there. I want to get there. <laughs> um, but th- those are those moments where, you know, you, you come up with an idea and you we ended up, it's so funny because, you know, we were still in development and we polished that scene to high shine for the trailer. And we had this moment like, oh, great. Now we have this really difficult thing because of the of the reveal trailer, we finished this really difficult thing for that last moment, which was so critical. You know, mm-hmm. all, we like to say that in this story, only Miles Morales could have solved this problem, right? He it was uniquely qualified to save the day, and that reactor scene was something we wrote on a card, <laughs> way way of him saving the day by using his power, right? And th- Oh, I love making video games. I know that sounds so cheesy, but... <laughs> no, it uh, doesn't. Just... And this is why we love talking to people like you who make them and make these glorious games for us. We're so lucky. It just it, It's just so awesome to go on these journeys. And they are really hard and they um, are often fraught with obstacles. But then you come to the end of it and, you know, it goes to the world and people kind of enjoy it and you're like, Oh, I, it's worth it. It's worth it. All the sacrifice is worth it. Absolutely. And I, I will say, obviously just speaking for myself here, I'm, I'm so excited for the masses out there to now have their hands on this game to jump in because it was such a special, um, special adventure for me as someone who loved the first game and to love this one, I think even more and to, to just adore what the team has done with miles and to be so thrilled by the future because of this game. Um, it is a wonderful adventure that perfectly set me forward with the PS5. It was the the perfect, you know, first game to really play through on PS5. It's 
it's wonderful to have. And thank you again to you and the team. And congratulations on the launch. I'm, I'm so excited that it's out there and we get to I'll talk about it together now. Yeah, and I know that like we've we've been sort of non non critical. We're just it's just been <laughs> a, 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 a it's such a, a tough year, and to have this gorgeous thing at the end of it has has been really special. So thank you, thank you, thanks and, so much. Uh, I, I think we'll unfortunately have to wrap it up there as we're running out of time. But Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I think we could probably talk about this game for hours more. There's there's so much with it. And I'm so glad that people will be out there and be able to get their hands on and experience it themselves. Uh, so I hope you've been listening. You've played the game already. If not, you probably heard a few things that uh, may surprise you, but please definitely go play it. And I recommend platinuming it. It is an extremely fun platinum, in my opinion. So thank you for everything within the game. And thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks for letting us uh, talk to you. It, it, it's, been an, it's been a great journey, and uh, we loved discussing that, the, the, the game with you guys. It's it's been a joy, and I I can't wait to see what people uh, have to think of it, and all of the amazing photo mode pictures we're going to get in the future. <laughs> um, but that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this episode. So thank you so much to everyone watching and listening out there. We hope you're enjoying Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, and if you haven't picked it up, go pick it up now. Uh, thank you once again to Brian for joining us. Thank you to Lucy for co-hosting as always, and thank you to Red, our producer. Uh, but that's about. Uh, it for this episode so as always thank you so much for watching we hope you're safe we hope you're well and as always beyond 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 he's a menace yeah too soft he's a low energy menace too easy maybe he's a weak minded oh hey jonah looking good very fast menace a feckless treacherous unhinged menace jonah Hey, mom. Yeah, coconut milk. Still trying to find it. Been kind of uh, an adventure. Are you running? Yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm trying to catch the train. Mira, mijo. Grab the milk and hurry home. Sí, ma. Te quiero mucho. Yo también te quiero. Now or never, Miles. We gotta stop him. On my way. We gotta bring him down fast! Yeah, yeah, what do we do? Let us raise temperature! Oh, bad, bad, very bad! Are you okay? No. No, no, no! I'm okay. I've got him. Headed your way. Be ready. Okay. Yeah. Might, uh, need a minute. Spider-Man, you're making things worse! Man, I'm trying to-
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.